Listen, I get it. You like saving in Bitcoin. But check this out. You can actually complement your HODL position by investing in Bitcoin startups. If you want additional upside and enjoy learning about angel investing, you should check out Lightning Ventures. Lightning Ventures is a great way to stack real equity in Bitcoin-only companies. They've invested in businesses you've heard about on this show, including Azteco, CrowdHealth, and Swan Bitcoin. And Lightning Ventures makes it easy to get started in the world of early stage investing. The minimum investment is only $1,000 per deal, and you only invest in the deals that make sense to you. So if you want to get a behind the scenes look at the startups you know and love, if you want a chance to support their growth, and if you want another opportunity to profit as the Bitcoin ecosystem develops, check out the 60 second application in the show notes to get started today in building a world that runs on better money. Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is Jason Rick, who is a first-generation regenerative cattle rancher, raising black Angus cattle in a holistic and sustainable way from conception to plate. He uses the power of nature to provide a nutrient-dense pure animal protein direct to consumer and helps consumers leverage their Bitcoin for food security. I think you're going to enjoy our conversation today. But before we go to our interview, we have this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight, and this week it's Bitcoin Charlotte, where plebs become family. Bitcoin Charlotte hosts socials and educational events for the Charlotte community to learn about Bitcoin. Their intention is to connect in person for networking, education, and fun. They're hosting their second annual Halloween event, October 21st through 22nd, which is a Bitcoin-only celebration. It's designed to unite everyone around the idea of self-sovereignty through education, play, and community. If you hold Bitcoin, are curious about Bitcoin, or just want to have some fun, Halloween is for you. The multi-day event will consist of a cattleman's feast with the Beef Initiative, speakers and workshops taught by Bitcoin Charlotte, and an epic costume party where everyone dresses as Satoshi Nakamoto. The party will have a band, DJ's karaoke room, and more. You don't need permission to be your own bank, and you don't need permission to have fun. Check out hodlween.party for more info and tickets, and you can find Bitcoin Charlotte at bitcoincharlotte.org or on Twitter at bitcoin underscore CLT. Those links are in the show notes below, and if you're not in the Charlotte area, you can always find Bitcoin meetups near you by downloading the Oshi app, and if there are any businesses in your area that accept Bitcoin, you can also probably get discounts with Oshi. Now, we're going to get to our interview with Jason right after this. Business owners, unlock the benefits Bitcoin has to offer your business with the Bitcoin for Business Quick Start Guide. This 27-page guide highlights the six ways you can grow your business with Bitcoin. Check it out in the show notes. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just glad to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you just a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Absolutely. When and how did you learn about Bitcoin? So I originally was introduced to Bitcoin by a family member of mine. Uh, he is a Bay Area financial guy. And when he first told me about it, I had never heard of it before. And um, I thought he was absolutely crazy. But of course, that orange pilled me and started me down the rabbit hole. And so when I was looking at it then, Bitcoin was about uh, $900 on a big run. Uh, but I still didn't understand it, still, still didn't fully um, 
believe how powerful it could be. So I started reading about it and learning more about it. And then around 2019 is when he hit me up again and asked me like, hey, you know, what have you looked at? You know, have you looked into this? What do you think about it? And then that's when I really, truly started looking at adoption. So it was, I mean, it was everybody that has looked at it and then gone back into it later is like, well, I wish I'd, I wish I'd have bought some back then because I'd be in a different mm-hmm. place now. But that seems like a, a pretty uh, common story. Yep. What's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish that everyone understood? One of the biggest things is ease of use. So many people are afraid of anything digital or anything that has to do with technology. And what I do so oftentimes is when I'm talking to a fellow farmer or rancher about it, I will help them set up a wallet. I will send them some Bitcoin and help them transact in it just so they can see how easy it is and how really how seamless it is. Everything that's been built on the back of it continues to grow with how easy, you know, the ease of use because that's generally what is the hang up for adoption, no matter what it is, is if it's difficult to do, nobody wants to do it. And that's probably the thing that I, I preach to as many people as I can is just how user friendly it is, especially with everything that's been built, you know, on the backs of it in the recent years. So that's probably the the strongest thing. And then, of course, from my point of view, I mean, between store of value and um, media of exchange it's super handy on many levels. Number one, transaction fees are super low. And number two, it's peer to peer. So you can keep, you know, the powers of B that don't necessarily need to know all of your business kind of out of it. And you don't have to set up an account. There is no names, emails, any of that stuff. And so you can do, you can transact. If you don't want someone to know, you know, you look at countries that are doing like these, um, you know, consumer credit scores, like I want to, I want people to buy nutrient dense protein for me and not be ridiculed by the government because they, you know, take their health seriously, and therefore they can do that without being, you know, persecuted due to their spending habits, which I think is, is super important as well. What's the Bitcoin resource you most recommend to other people? Well, that's an amazing thing with the tribe that I'm part of is we have a lot of resources from everything from the transactional portion of it to the custody portion of it to the mining portion of it. I can reach out to so many of our friends and colleagues in the Beef Initiative and have that one-on-one white glove concierge type of um, conversation with them. So it would be really hard for me to necessarily point in one direction, but I there are so many great books that you can, you know, read if you want hard paper, you know, copy books, or you just, I mean, you can get on Bitcoin Twitter and and follow some of those people and they have eBooks and blogs and vlogs to walk you through any portion of it to help you understand whatever part of it that you seem to be having a, a hard time with. Beyond Bitcoin, what is uh, some sort of idea or resource tool that's been helpful to you or your business recently? Wow. You know, I've termed a phrase observational science. So what that means is being able to engage all of your senses to look at the world around you, whether it's the world of 
business, whether it's the world of finance, whether it's the world of politics, whether it's the world of regenerative agriculture. And so that's one thing that I teach young people when they come to work with me is get back to intentionality in everything that you do. So unfortunately for me, or fortunately for me and unfortunately for other people, we've been trained to farm out so much of those critical thinking skills out to someone else. Like you rely on your educator, you rely on your physician, you rely on the talking heads on TV to make those decisions for you. Whereas for me, I'm empowering other people to use your own mind and your own senses to help um, direct you in your life and how to improve your life. And, and, and that, because we talk so much about human health and pharmaceuticals or getting away from pharmaceuticals, I, I ask them like, so my cows will eat a plant and it makes their stomach upset, let's say, or they it has a, you know, stings their mouth or something. Well, they learn that I don't want to eat that plant anymore. It's the same thing for us. If you eat something and it doesn't sit right with you and it causes bloating or gas or whatever, you should be using your intuition to say, hey, I shouldn't do that anymore. I shouldn't eat that anymore. And so for me, that's a, a huge resource that I use. And it's also a skill that I've taught my kids. And I continue to teach anyone that comes to work with me to just be more intentional and use their own intelligence. Don't necessarily rely on someone else. Prove it out for yourself. And that that's one of the fantastic things about the people that we get to reach out to and have impact on their lives is I help them realize and also get back to the way that our you know ancestors would have lived, which were some of the healthiest, longest living people because mm -hmm. they were very intentional about every single thing that they did. Now we have our final, what we call our arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? <laughs> well, I have always been known as kind of a rebel. I've always questioned the narrative, as my mother can attest, you know, not always the most uh, easygoing um, kid and still as an adult. So I would always say, why not? And that's because I've had multiple people throughout my life saying, oh, well, you, you'll never do that or that won't work. And I always follow that up with challenge accepted and, and you know, live my life to prove them wrong. And nine times out of 10, I'm completely successful with that just out of sheer will. Meet Linkster, your premier Bitcoin-focused advisor. Linkster caters to businesses, institutions, family offices, and high net worth individuals. They merge your unique financial goals and needs with Linkster's Bitcoin expertise to craft your own sustainable plan to preserve and grow the value of your hard-earned profits and retained earnings. And Linkster is not just advice, it's tailored execution. Connect directly with the founder by visiting Linkster.com. That's L-Y-N-C-S-T-E-R. Com. Linkster, secure your future with Bitcoin. Today's episode of Business Bitcoinization is proudly brought to you by Vellus Commerce, where the future of business technology meets Bitcoin. As we journey through the era of Bitcoin and its transformational impact on businesses, there's one name that stands out. 
Vellus Commerce. Whether you're looking to build a cutting-edge website, a seamless mobile app, or custom software, Vellus is your go-to team. They've been diving deep into the world of Bitcoin since 2014, making them one of the most experienced groups for integrating Bitcoin and Lightning payments into a variety of digital platforms. But here's what truly sets them apart. Vellus Commerce doesn't just build. They bring a wealth of knowledge to ensure your project's success from day one. Their team understands the nuances of Bitcoin, ensuring that your business stays ahead of the curve. And for all business Bitcoinization listeners out there, Vellus Commerce is offering a free consultation to kickstart your project the right way. So if you're ready to future-proof your business in the coming age of hyper-Bitcoinization, head over to VellusCommerce.com or reach out on Twitter at Vellus Commerce. Let's make sure your business thrives in the Bitcoin era. Well, Jason, we're here today to talk about your work as a regenerative rancher. I want to hear about your business in just a second, how Bitcoin incorporates into it. But first of all, I know that you were involved at the Beef Initiative's recent event in Georgia in September, and I want to hear a little bit about your thoughts on the event and your role in the gathering across that weekend. Well, I'll tell you what, um, having the opportunity to spend some one-on-one time with Will Harris um, is is amazing. He he is a a very intelligent and eloquent and true Southern gentleman. And what he and his family has done there in Bluffton, Georgia, is, as he deems, it's not scalable, but it's highly um um you can replicate it very easily on whatever your scale is and so by us having that as our setting and the backdrop of of the education that we received it was it was a fantastic experience the previous gathering was here at our ranch in crawford colorado and it was amazing to see how many people trekked all the way out to the middle of colorado and then made the time to then go to Bluffton, Georgia as well. What we're doing and, and the momentum that we are, are you know, building in the Beef Initiative, it continues to just blow my mind. And I feel truly blessed to be part of it. I mean, as a charter member of, of the organization and the passion that Slim brings to it, and the passion of all of our speakers and all of our members and just how important it is to give those, you know, our ranchers and farmers a voice again. We've been so commoditized by big ag and for for people to, number one, take the initiative to join in with what we're doing. And number two, reap the benefits of the increased revenue and financial security of their businesses it's, it's been a long time coming. It, it really has. And the food was exceptional. Everything that we ate had been raised on white oak pastures, mm. beef, pork, lamb, duck, all the vegetables, everything had been grown there. And that's, that's a thing that I preach to everyone is you should eat food that's grown in the soil where you live, that's breathed the air that you breathe, um, because you're all part of the microbiome. And to be able to have that kind of wholesome conversation, education and food, and the weather was beautiful. You know, Will Harris said, you guys showed up at the perfect time. The weather is perfect. I mean, it was cool and dry, you know, for Southern Georgia standards. And it was it was a blessing to be involved. It's a super busy time of year for us. 
And I had hemmed and hawed and, and I wanted to go. I really did. And so I prayed into it. And my wife and I said, you won't have another opportunity like this. You just have to go. And so, and I sure am glad that I did. It was, it was a fantastic experience. I really appreciate what you're doing with the Beef Initiative. I know that that's not all you do. So I want to hear a little bit as well about your business. You know, eventually we'll talk about the Bitcoin side of things. But one of the things I read in your bio is that you're a first generation regenerative rancher. I, I want to understand that a little bit. Like, was your family ranching before and it wasn't regenerative or did you hop? Just how those dynamics are at play. Because, you know, a lot of people that I interview on this podcast, at least a handful, are uh, Bitcoin native businesses, usually services for other companies. And that's great, but there are a lot of people that, and this show is really for business owners who already had a business and they're beginning to incorporate Bitcoin into it. And I, I want people to hear from others who are doing that same thing. So, so could you share with us a little bit of your journey into regenerative ranching, even like before Bitcoin? And then maybe if you wanted to just let us know how you began to incorporate Bitcoin into what you were already doing. Absolutely. So yeah, so we, we're a first generation um, cattle ranch operation. I was raised in town. Um, and so therefore, my, my dad was is a, a freshly retired underground coal miner. And so I you know, grew up in town and I, I always had a, a love of animals. My maternal grandfather, so Albert Martinez, had a small family farm in a little town uh, about an hour from where we lived. And so he had uh, horses and cows and pigs and goats and sheep and you name it, chickens and all of that stuff. And so I would go help them during hang season during the summer, which that really planted the seed for agriculture and the agrarian life. And he did it the way that his father and his grandfather did. So it was what was regenerative because you couldn't afford to, to buy all the synthetic inputs that so many farmers and ranchers use now. And so they would haul in, you know, biomass from other processes, whether it was um, fruit or sawdust or whatever the, the soil needed as an amendment, he would haul it in because oftentimes you get it for free. And I, and I saw how well that worked as far as building topsoil and regenerating the soil. And so I, 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 you know, it was by observational science that I saw that you could do it without a bunch of chemical inputs. It's, you know, just using a lot of sweat equity. So I was in the Marine Corps, did four years in the Marine Corps and moved back home. And I went to work in the coal mines as well. And my mother-in-law and father-in-law have a ranch. And that's actually where we live is now on my mother-in-law's property. And they had leased the property out, and I'd seen where the conventional cattlemen that were on it, um, their focus was different. You know, it wasn't necessarily on building soil. Oftentimes, it was just on productivity. Whatever they could get the most out of is how they would do it. And so I asked them if I could lease it from them, cash cash lease it from my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Um, and they, they, <laughs> they discouraged me from that. They, they had had cattle for a short amount of time and it was just not profitable because it was a, they had ran it as a conventional cow-calf operation. And I said, well, I have some ideas. I have some suggestions. Um, if you'll let me, we'll try and incorporate some of these new processes, which were new on the scene, but they weren't new to me because I'd seen my grandfather do them for years. 
And so we, I started first by just building soil, improving irrigation infrastructure, uh, filling in the bare spots of dirt with um, seeding and, and correct application of water and nutrients and all of those things. And then we started buying some cattle. I started with registered Black Angus cattle and and saw just how important animal impact was on the health of the land. And someone asked me if we sold beef, and I had honestly never thought about it. Our business model was selling registered Angus bulls and building our herd from our own genetics. So we had a uh, heifer that came in open. We butchered her, shared the meat with some friends and family. They raved about the quality of it, and that really turned me on to the potential that we had there for that direct to market um, or direct to consumer beef. And we've been building ever since then. Uh, I think last year we butchered 25 beeves. This year we're slated to butcher about 30 beeves. Our goal is to keep all of our calves and either use them as replacement heifers, raise a few bulls for ourselves, and then butcher all of the other beeves. So nothing ever leaves the place other than in a package to go to a consumer. And that's on for many reasons. Number one, we feel that, you know, the uh, butcher facility or or the uh, packing plant or the sale barn or whatever, they don't have that really deep-seated relationship with the cattle like we do. And so if we could keep every calf and and raise them and butcher them and share that nutrient-dense protein with other people, that's really what our priority is. And honestly, that's where the most profitability is. So the, the regenerative thing, I didn't really have a choice. In, in my mind, there is only one way forward. We have to go away from the extractive agricultural type of practices where you're just using the soil as a media to grow stuff in, and you have to get back to those perennial pastures with all kinds of diversity, all different kinds of plants and shrubs and everything that are part of your ecosystem and maintain them as, you know, evolution has showed us works really well. And then we act as the predators to move those cattle around and and help them be the healthiest and also help the land be the healthy, healthiest that it can be. Mm-hmm. And my understanding of the regenerative process is that the key is in the soil. And when you have better soil, it creates better grass, which creates better feed for most of your animals, I guess, depending on what all animals you have, but it, it all, it all works together. But like the key thing there, this different, uh, my understanding once again, is that it's, it's in the soil. Is that a, a good summary of it? Or do you kind of see the, the value elsewhere when it comes to the regenerative side of things? No, that's totally accurate. I mean, because the soil is the foundation for all other processes. And so if you have healthy soil, if you concentrate on soil health, the rest of it pretty much takes care of itself. So that's totally accurate. Um, But the practices are all different. They're all environmentally adapted to whatever your climate is. So those look very differently, whether it's from Georgia to Western Colorado to Montana to Alaska, all of those environments are different. And so you have to kind of alter your practices to best um, build the soil health because, you know, it's very seasonal for those of us that see all four seasons where other areas like South Georgia where white, white oak pastures is they you know, they essentially grow grass year round. They do put up some hay 
for when it's really cold and that warm season grass turns off. But for them, they can graze, you know, 350 mm. of 365 days a year, practically. Um, whereas for us, it's hard to graze through three feet of snow. And sure. so you have to kind of change your practices to make sure that your cows stay in good body conditioning and your feeder calves continue to gain weight to their optimum weight before you butcher them. Yeah. Now, uh, a lot of people that I talk to and for a little bit of context, I'm based in Mississippi, but based in the suburbs. So not living on land, people are very interested in regenerative ranching. And I think that it's going to continue to grow. I'm sure it's been growing for years and years and years, kind of the, the knowledge of of how beneficial it is. I feel like maybe it's just because in the last year or so I've started to pay more attention, but I feel like more and more people are having those conversations. I'm curious if this may be, uh, the answer may be, hey, you've backed yourself into a corner. You can't do anything about it. But I'm curious for those who are in the suburbs, is there any way to benefit your soil to have better soil and thus a better ecosystem when it comes to, for instance, like your backyard? Is there any way to do that? Or is it really, you need to have these large animals who are providing a fertilization for your soil? Oh no, you, you totally can. And that's the thing that I, I preach to everyone is you have to farm for your environment. And so for instance, when I was in town growing up and I wanted livestock, I had rabbits and the rabbits did a fantastic job of converting yard grass into uh, meat and wool and pets and hides. And you could just put the cages literally right on your grass and move them around every day. And they would mow the grass and then, you know, do their little rabbit manure and urine on it. And you could just see how the, the ground was stimulated by that interaction with animals. So you absolutely can do that in your backyard. Another thing that's worked really well for many people is have chickens in cages that are um, above the ground. And then, or I mean, rabbits that are in cages above the ground and then running chickens under, chickens under them because they can scratch through the, the wasted hay or the wasted rabbit pellets and pick out the stuff. And then they pick the flies out of the rabbit manure that falls down onto the ground. And then you could just move that setup around and, you know, seasonally, or if you're going to concentrate on building soil in one specific area, that's going to then be your garden and rotate those those critters around to where all the urine and the feces go down and, and build soil and you move them to a next place the next year. You can totally do it on whatever scale. One of the, the most important things that I have found, and we do, you know, wide, wide scale um, composting because when we butcher on farm, I want to compost all that off fall heads, hooves, all of that stuff, and then spread that back out on the, on the land. So when a tree trimming crew is coming through doing power right of ways, I always reach out to them, give them a business card, maybe a package of steaks and say, Hey, when you fill this truck up, come and bring it to our place. And I actually have a fresh pile of it right out in the yard that I got yesterday. And then you incorporate that as like the brown matter of your compost. And then you take your green matter, which is yard waste, clippings, leaves, stuff like that, or, you know, moldy hay or whatever for us. And then you have your animal uh, manure and you mix that all together. Keep it good and wet. And uh, it makes just beautiful compost that you can use. We can either put it in our manure spreader and spread it in our fields, put it in our garden spot, and so you have all those kinds of opportunities 
even in the city, like raking up the leaves and composting them in your backyard or in your garden spot. That doesn't, it's just a little bit of sweat equity, but the uh, amount of benefits and the amount of earthworms that you'll see in no time is, is mind boggling. The other thing to do is put a container on your counter and all of your fruit and vegetable scraps take them out and put them in your compost pile as well. That's mm. a, another opportunity to build soil no matter where you are. That's really interesting. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And hopefully that is inspiration for someone listening to this podcast today. So the next question I have for you is, it sounds like you were doing great. Why add Bitcoin? I think that's where a lot of business owners are. I'm doing fine. This isn't something that I need. It seems like a lot of extra work to try to figure out. So for you, why Bitcoin? Number one, it's sound money, right? We see the fluctuations in the dollar. We see how the feds are debasing our our, our currency. We see how our, our um, buying capacity is less and less and less all the time. I mean, you look at what stuff costs, and that's what I tell people. It's not what it costs. It's actually what your dollar is worth. It's a clear indication of how the, the value of the dollar continues to go lower and lower and lower and lower. Whereas what we find in Bitcoin and the, the the backbone that it's built upon, it can't be altered, it can't be destroyed, it can't be censored. And so if you can um, do value for value exchange, if I can do value for value, I mean, I work very hard, I work long hours to do what I do to produce this, this energy dense protein that I love to share with people, like-minded people, why not do it in a value for value where I can exchange Bitcoin for beef? And then I can either choose to take that and convert it to fiat if I need to, to pay my fiat bills, or I can take and put it in cold storage, you know, so I have multi-generational wealth that can't be censored, can't be um, taken away from me. And unless you know my seed phrase, nobody's going to get it. If I had gold bars in a vault, they could come and, you know, tear the door off the vault and, and haul the, the bars away. If I had money in a bank account, they could freeze the bank account. Uh, the bank account could go to zero. There's nothing I could do about that. Uh, even if you had paper dollars, you know, you could burn your house down and burn all your paper dollars, or they could come take them away from you. Whereas with Bitcoin, I don't ever have to worry about that. The other thing too is so many of the priorities of regenerative ag align with with the hardcore Bitcoin mm, crowd yeah. as far as you're looking out at something that's bigger than yourself. You're looking at something that you can literally stand on as we are trying to make the world a better place for our children or our future children and our grandchildren. So through this media of exchange and this store of value that's called Bitcoin, you can have something for perpetuity. I mean, our hope and goal is that we're going to have mass adoption, right? Hyper-Bitcoinization. And I see it happening. It's slow because, like I said earlier, is uh, it's adoption is key. And, that's, and ease of use is key. And so the more people that we can expose to it, the, the more adoption that we're going to have, the easier it's going to be to convince people like, hey, these guys are doing it. At our conference that we had here, uh, Matt O'Dell gave a great class on how to transact in Bitcoin. And so we had 50 or 60 people download a hardware wall or I download a wallet on their phone, different organizations, whether it was uh, Michael with Oshi and the folks from Ibex and some other, you know, Bitcoiners 
gave them Bitcoin, allowed them to transact to um, a Bitcoin address of mine where they were able to get receive Bitcoin and uh, transact in Bitcoin. And they were able to see up on the projector screen in real time all these transactions happening just to prove how easy it was. So it was like 50 or 60 people in 14 minutes were onboarded and shown how to transact in Bitcoin mm. just to prove how easy it is to use. And I think the more that we do that and the more people that we expose, just the better off that we are. And it's the same thing with what I'm doing in education as far as regenerative agriculture. Anybody can do it. If anybody truly wants to and they have the intentionality of it, I want to do everything that I can in my power to help them find where they fit in that regenerative space. Whatever it is as far as their, like what you're talking about, backyards. I mean, I, I can help people set up something for that that's going to make, you know, it's low, 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 low uh, input as far as time. Or I do, you know, consulting where I help people set up intensive rotational grazings on their entire ranch focused on water points or repairing areas, external fences, whatever it is, that whatever that looks like. I work with different people to try and help them, number one, eat healthier, number two, save the planet by doing what they can do. I'm, so many people LARP about, oh my gosh, you know, everything's going to heck. And it's like, well, you can't change that, but you can change what you're doing. So mm -hmm. let's let's be the change that we want to see and start with what we can do ourselves and then build from there. And that, that's what I tell everyone. It's, it's, it's not about them. It's about me. And you have to take, you know, control of what you can do and make a positive change for the better. And then, then explain that to your neighbor. I mean, you, you might be a hub in your neighborhood of change to where you, it's a competition whose corn is taller, their ear corn that they're growing to eat, you know, from one fence to the next fence to the next fence or whatever that happens to be, because um, it can be done. And if you look at World War II, you know, America, everybody had a garden in their backyard. You know, it's just that's how you knew that you're going to have fresh uh, vegetables. Mm -hmm. Well, Jason, one more question before we finish up today. I'm curious, you mentioned at the very beginning and then at the beginning of your last answer, you said the same thing. You mentioned the ease of use. For you, it was easy incorporating it into your business. You talked about earlier how Bitcoin is easy to use and you wish people understood that. Could you recommend to any business owners listening right now what they can begin doing that's easy to get started? Well, that that's the, that's, that's the amazing thing with IBEX, right? They can incorporate their Bitcoin transaction right into your Square uh, you know, point of sale thing. And, and it's so easy. And their their technical support, whether it's Rye or Annalise, can walk anybody through, the complete novice, through how to set it up for themselves. And it, I mean, it is, if you, if you can't understand that and the simplicity that it is built and how easy it is to incorporate, um, I don't know how I could help you, but it is, it is seamless. Mm. And so that that's the thing for me is like, if there's any businesses out there who are on the fence, go online, look it up, Ibex Mercado, Ibex Pay, and and reach out to them. And one of their customer service people can, can literally walk you through it. And then you have um, the Oshi app, which, you know, Michael Atwood and the Oshi same thing. They, they can set you up for point of sale pay so easy. And if you want to do e-commerce, 
same thing. They can put you on their website and people can reach out to you to be directed right to your website. They'll have its own button in there to pay you with Bitcoin. And it is it is super mm. simple and super easy to set up. I mean, and there's lots and lots and lots of other organizations, but those are the two companies that I work with. And I love both of them. All of those people are just fantastic to work with. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you sharing today. If there's anything else on your mind, uh, please share that with us as we're closing out today, as well as where people can go to find out more about what you're doing and to get in contact with you if they're interested in you know, asking any follow-up questions or just staying in touch in the future. Absolutely. So one thing that I want everybody to be just aware of is my priority is for people to get out and be intentional about sourcing their pure animal protein. So, you know, my, my slogan is, is get out and shake your rancher's hand or know your rancher. And so people need to be, get back to like where their roots are from. We were all agrarian at one time. We had to be able to raise our own food. So that's one of the things that we're doing through the beef initiative. We have a fantastic um, list of producers that have become part of the beef initiative. And so look, search by state and find someone that's in your state and reach out to them and see if you can source your meat from them. The other thing too, is like you, you are only one person, right? But when you approach everything, you have to approach it. Like you can be the change that you want to see. And you start with your dollars, buy stuff from the people that are doing it the way that you want to see it done. And so Voting in the ballot box doesn't oftentimes work out the way that we wanted it to, but you can spend your money with a regenerative farmer, the small, you know, the small neighborhood chicken coop that's selling eggs, whatever that happens to be, support the people that are doing it the way that you want it and don't spend your money on the garbage that you don't actually need. Focus on your health through what you eat, through what you're consuming into your body and do your best to try and limit the, the stuff in the middle aisles of the grocery store. It's just, that's so important, right? The other thing too is, you know, for me, being a rancher who's very vocal, obviously, I love talking about what we do. There are many of them who are not, and they're afraid to talk to you. Whereas if you approach them with love, respect, and, and reach out to them, you can be the person who puts the, the plants the seed of Bitcoin in their mind. And that may help them get out of the rut of where they've been in for generations where they're just indebted to the bank or they're indebted to the fertilizer dealer, seed dealer, whatever that happens to be. I, I, I empower everyone to reach out, shake their rancher's hand and, and just try and become part of this community and get back to where our food comes from, which unfortunately I, ha I hate to break it to everyone. It doesn't come from the grocery store. It's either grown on the ground or it grazes on the ground. So that's, you know, shake your rancher's hand. Absolutely. All right, Jason, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing your wisdom with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And and I mean, I'm on Twitter, so Beef Bees and Bitcoin or at Jason Rick. We are having a new website built out right now. It should be online sometime next week and eat beef. That's all I can say. All right, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out to either me or Jason, you can find our links down in the show notes. Please subscribe to the show and share this with anyone who would enjoy this episode. As always, keep building, keep growing, and until next time, keep living and leading well. 
If you're a regular listener of the podcast, thank you. If you want to take a further step in your support for the show, you can help us grow by listening on Fountain, a value-for-value podcast app on iOS or Android. If you hear something you like that you disagree with or anything else, you can share it by sending some sats and adding a comment with your thoughts. Some of you have already done this, and I appreciate it. I'm going to begin reading your boosts on upcoming episodes, so if you have some insight or value to add, let the people know. Getting started with Fountain is easy. You can add Bitcoin to your Fountain wallet by using your fiat accounts or any lightning wallet and one of my favorite features is that once you're using the app you can earn sats just by listening on fountain check out the link in the show notes to get started with fountain today